Wow. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your girl, Aida Rodriguez. I am back with another episode of Truth Serum. Looking forward to get into this. Um, you know, here we like to have the conversations about people of color, with people of color, about people of color. Speaking of, um, about our truths from our perspective and, uh, and providing a spectrum of the different perspectives that live within us, because guess what? We're human beings and we're not all exactly the same. <laughs> we're not a monolith. And so I think it's very important for us to have these conversations. I want to thank all of you who've been supporting the show. The support has been amazing. Um, I never realized that so many people were going to watch the show, that we're going to share about it. And I just want to, I'm just humbled by it. So please continue to like, share, you know, those of you who have donated, thank you. Um, if you are in a pinch right now and you don't have any money, you sharing the content, liking it, telling people about it is, is worth far more than any amount of money. Um, I want to get into this conversation. I wanted to create a space so that we can have a transhuman conversation because I think it's very important that in our communities, black and brown communities, we have we hold ourselves accountable for our treatment of people that live within the LGBTQ plus community. But today we are speaking specifically to the trans experience. And I have four amazing human beings who have joined me and have um, are going to be sharing their experiences and their point of views in hopes that so many people who have sent questions and honestly from the best places in them wanted to know how they can be better allies and supportive of the trans community. Today, we're going to have that, that talk. They belong to us. They belong to us. Their lives matter. They matter to us. And we are supposed to stand up for each other and they are not excluded from that. So without further ado, I want to introduce my panel. Um, former uh, Elizabeth Warren surrogate and the creator and owner of the You Are Essential movement, um, my girl, Ashley Marie Preston. Hi, love. Hey. <laughs> um, so he is a comedian. Kai Choice, uh, who has a podcast that um, I actually, I love the concept. It's about women who kill and uh, not on the microphone, who actually kill. So what's up, Kai? Hey. <laughs> How are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you're here. Um, they are a writer, a producer, an actor, creator of Aristotle um, and Dante Discovered the Secrets of the Universe. Also my co-creator on my animated series, um, a very good friend of mine. They are also from Miami, so they understand the madness. Say hello to Henry Alberto. Hi, thank you so much for having me. This is exciting. Thank you. No, thank you. And they have been uh, one of the uh, stars of the uh, breakout series on uh, the Stars Network, Vida, and uh, also from East Los High. Hello. Say hello to Sed. Sed, I want to say your name correctly. Say it. <laughs> and Swategi. On you know what? No, no, I wanted to hear you say it correctly because I, I saw you get interviewed one day. Uh, I was watching someone interview you the other the other day, and they just said your name the way they wanted to say it. And so, I, I I like to hold people accountable for how they say our names, just like we learned That's to right. say Hunter and Blake, and we've That's learned right. to say Ford. Then you got to learn how to. Say <laughs> right. So how, yeah. are you, how are you? 
I'm doing really well. I just came off a panel with Aida. It was a very about the Latinx um, experience and also the nominations of uh, the Emmys, including also the Afro Latinx and you know the experience. Also, of, you know, we got to call out when things were racist in our communities. Uh, but I'm doing great. I love the fact that I'm on a roll. I feel great. Yeah, we're on a roll. Um, I feel educated. heard. <laughs> yeah, we're educating people today. So I, I wanna, I wanna. So I don't. So I'm not gonna do the hokey, um, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? Um, questions that people do to uh, that ask to trans people that are because they feel weird and awkward and they want to know well what made you and i don't i know how you are who you are and i accept you for who you being us who you who you are so we're going to have this conversation from this point forward we're not going back into your childhood trauma we're not going to attribute it, your choices to stuff happening to you like we like to do to people in our lgbtq plus community you know she gay because she had bad experiences with me i'm like you know, I, I'm not going to remove your, take your choices away from you. You are who you are, and I respect that. And I'm glad that you're here. Um, so first of all, I really, I want you to um, just tell people who you are, where you're from, and how you landed in the place that you are in your career, because everyone here is is a valuable voice in the community. And because we tend to erase and disregard trans people so much in this in this society, it is quite the accomplishment that you are where you are. So I'm going to start with Ashley. I'm going to go around the room, and I just would like for you to tell people how you started and um, and how you are where you are. Because what it does is it creates um, esteem with young trans people to know that they too can achieve great things in life. So. Um. So my name is Ashley Marie Preston, and originally I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. I came out to California at 19 uh, back in 2004, so you can do the math. And I call Kentucky the land of God doesn't make mistakes. And so I was raised in a God-fearing family. And so I didn't have language to describe trans identity, but I knew whatever I was experiencing, it wasn't safe to explore that in Kentucky. So I got out of Kentucky, came to LA, got a job, transitioned on the job, started facing uh, bullying and harassment and all of this like ridiculousness, got fired because it was easier to fire me than it was to address the transphobic culture on the job site. Um, ended up losing my job, lost my apartment and became homeless. Most people would just go to a shelter. I couldn't go to a shelter because my definition of womanhood wasn't in alignment with theirs. Uh, when I went to the women's shelter and I was so desperate that I even tried going to a men's shelter and they turned me away. And the two times that I did get taken in, I was sexually assaulted both times. Um, so unlike some of my peers, um, I don't have a record. Um, I wasn't met with any of the health disparities that uh, many trans women of color experience. Um, and so even though I was able to get off of the streets because I was less visibly trans than some of my siblings, so I just stopped telling people I was trans, but I didn't forget about my folks out there who took care of me, um, sex workers and hustlers and all of those people took care of me on the streets. And, and, and they were whole ass people that uh, respectability politics tend to be raised so we tend to sweep them under the rug. And so I use media um, as a way of telling their stories, whether it's through uh, documentary films I'm producing, whether it's through editorial <laughs> that I do for various publications, whether it is, you know, having authentic, raw conversations on IG Live. I think it's important that we continue to uplift the voices of folks who can't uh, necessarily be heard over all the noise. 
Thank you for that. So Henry, I'll, I'll go to you. Yeah, I was uh, born and raised in Miami, which as you know, is the epicenter of toxic masculinity and machismo, <laughs> which really <laughs> fucked with me for a really long time. And it's taken me a long time to kind of walk through what my truth is even though I knew what it was, but I was so afraid of the rejection, like, you know, the quintessential story of what it is to be queer and what it is to be trans. Um, so I really waited till I was able to be in a place of privilege so I could take care of myself where I didn't have to rely on anybody else um, to come out and to walk through that. But as soon as I did that, um, I, I guess I like left room and allowed abundance to come into my life because that's when my success really started to happen. Um, and it's just like, there's no denying that if you're not authentically who you are, you'll never like get what you want and how, how you want to be seen in the world. So um, what I'm trying to create with the work that I'm doing as a writer and as a director is really speak to queer and trans youth, because I think that that's a demographic that we tend to talk down to. And I think if we start creating content that represents them, I think will make their experience far easier than mine was, despite where you're from and despite what your upbringing is. Thank you, I appreciate you. Kai? Uh, I feel, uh, I guess, lucky that I actually grew up in LA. I'm born and raised in LA. Um, so uh, I haven't really had I would say quite the same experience that a lot of people uh, would have who came from less liberal enclaves or whatnot. Um, but I'm a stand-up comedian, I'm a podcaster, um, I'm a writer, and I actually didn't come out as trans until fairly recently, um, started transitioning fairly recently. Um, and I, I hesitated for a while because I had been doing stand-up for so long that uh, I came to a point in my life where I was like, uh, am I gonna have to start all over? <laughs> I mean, uh, am I gonna have to um, kind of start from scratch uh, as to uh, a lot of people as a kind of a brand new person. And I just realized, you know, it's either, it's either start all over or really not feel like I'm ever being true to myself or to anyone else. And as far as being a comedian goes, what do you have if you don't have truthfulness? So uh, that's that's where I'm at right now. Uh, I, I don't have a, a lot of, <laughs> I don't have books and movies and stuff like that. I mean, hopefully, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm just at a point right now that, that I, I kind of, um, I'm not getting any younger. So I, I've got to be really honest with myself and open with myself. And, and I feel like uh, the art that I can make and the media that I can create is, is going to be a lot more meaningful uh, since I'm not holding anything back from myself or from anyone else. Thank you. Fer? Hola. Um, so um, I'm they, them, theirs, and I'm non-binary. I'm also transmasculine as well. And I think my experience in the in the being a, uh, an artist whether through the theater or television uh, my experience has been figuring figure like really exploring myself through my work not by like this is what i'm going to do to explore my gender but it just came from that so i think you know it's telling it's like a reflection of me 
you know, working through all my stuff to be like, okay, so, you know, uh, fully uh, being like Kai was saying, like uh, being authentic of who you are, stripping away all the exterior, you know, uh, voices and conditioning, upbringing from the upbringing, all that. So it's still going on. And I think because I'm still working, you know, like I'm a process of like, you know, working through my gender identity while I'm in the media, you know, you can see my, you know, all my different, like when I, I identified as like butch or when I identified as uh, gender non-binary. So I allowed my own work, which is me writing my own characters, me talking about where I grew up. My mom is from Italy, migrated to Argentina. My dad is Guarani, Farawayan, and, you know, brown, you know, just, and, and they, he immigrated into Argentina and moved to Buenos Aires, and then they immigrated to the United States. And I had no idea about the side of my dad's family, even though I had visited Paraguay, because it was like a shameful, of like the identity. And so now I'm also exploring along with a lot of people, the fact that why am I conditioned to not talk about what I need? You know, why am I not conditioned to just uphold the white uh, Latin side as well as the gender, you know, that's continually a process. And now I'm meeting it with entertainment and the world and the activism and everything where people are finally in the, in you know, we're, we're coming together and saying in the trans community and also in entertainment saying, you know, we don't all have to look the same. We don't all have to, we are in different process and and, not, and it doesn't mean that you're trans. It doesn't mean that you have, a, the, uh, the whole point is to be part of the binary or it has a certain idea of what it may be. And speaking from my own experience, you know, it's, you know, for it, it's really great to feel it and to be a part of it in public, especially doing disclosure. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't know I was going to be in the documentary, but the point is, even if I wasn't, it's still like incredibly a teaching tool to learn from because it's like all the stuff I'm, so I'm still where I'm like, all the other stuff I'm still working through is still coming up like things I'm working on and deconstructing or like decolonizing and all of that. So it's a work in progress. And I think that when you really are truthful, you know, with your art somehow, if you're not truthful and conscious, like not even aware you're like unknown, then somehow your art is gonna get you there, some one way or the other. So just trusting that and um, that's what I'm doing right now. And I've created my work as, you know, before said, before I named myself, my show was called Said. My first solo show I worked on for nine years and I got me into television, you know, and people were like, you know, I was like really consulting on all the show, realized, wow, you know, they really need me because there's not that much representation. So, or there wasn't when East Coast High. Um, so I'm the East Coast LA, you know, East LA telling my story about soccer, you know, in the theaters and it was getting popular over nine years. So I really feel like I sort of influenced the storytelling. And, and so I feel like, you know, you just gotta keep going to find. And I feel like so many of us, I'm learning that I'm a lot of times like carving, like carving, but it's like, you're going, I don't know, who do I talk to about the stuff I'm experiencing right now? Like you're literally like by, by myself sometimes, you know, trying to figure out things in the industry or things for myself and my gender. And a lot of it is, you know, unknown and you have to allow it to, to come right. As far as me, like I was unknown of a lot of my own stuff and, and what I'm repressing and all of that. So yeah. <laughs>
So I, it, I love what you said because um, I want you I want you to inform people and let people know some of the common mistakes that they make thinking that they're being helpful, but that actually need to be corrected and addressed. Um, I think it's important to hold people accountable, right? And a lot of people who they do it with all, all marginalized groups, they think they're helping and they'll say, no, you know, I, and then get out the way and let me talk for myself first. That's the first thing you can do. Right. But there are, there are a lot of, um, you know, misconceptions about the trans community. And a lot of people love to feed the dissent. There's the people love to feed the drama between trans women and um, cis women. And it, it, and it comes down to what people don't realize that trans women's lives are disproportionately targeted and taken. And, um, and it is, you know, a lot of the, de the, the dehumanization feeds that and people don't understand that. So when, you know, someone just uh, put a question and said, as a teacher, how can I be a better, a better service to students when we have trans children in our classrooms? Um, any of you can take it and, you know, we can just respect one another and just have a conversation. I think one of the ways um, to be the most helpful is not to uh, propagate notions of uh, gender and like presentation and expression. I know that some of the earliest instances of knowing the difference between male, female, boy, girl was in school. Like boys go here, girls go here. Um, the boys are blue and the girls are pink and all of these other things that force children into um, having to search for themselves in a space that's uh, that's limited. And I think the other piece is, um, the other piece is not um, trying to correct um, mm -hmm. how a child uh, shows up in their person. Um, I do remember also instances where like I was being told that like, no, like don't leave your shirt like that or, you know, um, I remember having like a little baby ponytail and then being, you know, making remarks like, oh, what are you going to cut that? Or like, what are you, you know, just things like that. I think just being universal and uh, non-gendered in the way you educate. What's crazy is that, uh, that continues like all the way into high school and all the way in. I remember being in college and having professors separate people in groups and be like, we want, uh, okay, we're gonna talk about things from different perspectives. So all the girls go over there into a group and all the boys go into a group over there and you're like, do you, okay, I'm just gonna leave. <laughs> but, um, and it comes out to the way people even talk to people's, other people's kids, like seeing a, a, a little girl sitting a certain way and being like, Oh, maybe you should sit like a lady. Like people do that. Um, people try to try to parent other people's kids with their notions of how uh, these children should be presenting themselves um, gender-wise. So uh, I think a lot of it comes down to like minding your own business and letting people be themselves. <laughs> yeah, we we have a problem with minding our own business, and specifically when it comes to sexuality in this country, um, we are you know like. The, 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 you know, I am in awe of the fact that in the, the explosion of what was George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, we took up so much space talking about Will and Jada's sexual reality and their family, right? And it was just, it's just like, dude, 
do you realize what is happening in this moment that we, why do we care? We're so fascinated with what other people do in their bedrooms. And then we want to police people and what they do in their bedrooms, according to what, for, to whatever indoctrination we, we are victim to. And, you know, coming from the Latinx community where in Puerto Rico uh, and in the Dominican Republic, where there's a lot of uh, transphobia and, um, you know, they, first of all, you're a fetish and then people are scared of you. So there's the, the secret fetishing, fet fetishization, and then there's the, you know, the, the violence. And so I think it's important for us to use our voices and speak out against it. That, that when you see Bad Bunny wear a dress on a late night show, it's revolutionary for us because we've been so conditioned to, and, and to what gender is and what that says about us and in terms of, you know, what, what gender says about us in terms of our power and our value. And it is just so, uh, you know, it's just growth. Um, I want to ask you, um, what is being done right now in terms of media and representation when it comes to the trans community? Um, I know that um, Angelica Rose, uh, Rose Angelica Ross was very upset about the Emmy nominations and so much that took to Instagram and did a live video and actually was moved to tears. When we talk about representation in the media, which people trivialize because people will say, why are you worried about this when people are dying? But people don't realize that the images that we put out about ourselves and each other informs other people on how they treat us. So when you saw the, the Emmy nominations, and you and I don't know if you saw Angelica's video. Tell me, in terms of your own experience, how does media affect affect you, and what what do you think uh, can be done? Because I like to be solutions oriented in terms of improving that in the media and television, film, news, all of it. I think that in my last experience um, on a show that I was on, there was a huge resistance to tell a trans story. I pitched like seven trans stories from an authentic point of view that were undeniable. But there was always the excuse that the higher ups wouldn't want it because it was too niche. And finally, when we landed on one that was good enough, everyone responded to it. And there's just like fear that needs to be unlearned that I think we're really far away from in green lighting these stories so we could get the authentic representation on TV. And we could tell our own stories, which is something that hasn't happened for a really long time till recently with maybe pose um, and disclosure. But like, I can't think of too many stories that are told by trans folks about trans folks. And I think that's really where it starts. I think a lot of people, um, they ask, well, why does it matter? Why can't a good story just be a good story? Why does representation matter? And the thing is, is um, people who ask questions like that have never experienced uh, finally seeing someone who who you feel is like you on TV for the first time, whether it was like a few years ago or a few decades ago, and having that character exist only to be murdered or only to have something terrible happen to them, and you feeling like like that's your future. That's that's the only thing that's out there for you. So, um, so I, I don't know. I, I do. I feel like it, it is it is really important to have have people tell their own stories. I mean, up until like not that long ago, there were still so many 
white people exclusively telling black stories and, and you know, like Latinx stories and whatnot. So I, I what am I trying to say? <laughs> um, representation is, is important and letting people tell their own stories is important because, I mean, if you want to come at it from a business standpoint, even uh, we have money too. And, you know, <laughs> we want to spend it to see ourselves and, And the, 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 what am I trying to say? Hold on. Um, it's important because so much of media influences how people see other people who are not like them, especially in places where uh, people think they don't know any trans people, but they do. They just don't know anyone who feels safe enough to come out to them, you know? So the only, uh, the only idea of, how trans people live and exist and and uh, are people is is what they see on the big screen or on the small screen for so many people. There's also something that you said, Ada. Sorry, Ashley, about how the conversation at with school and I think that a lot of it is rooted with the way we talk about gender at home and within our POC family specifically, there's this notion of what male and female is supposed to be that when you go to school, you're already so repressed, you don't wanna express that. So a teacher could hold space for that, but it really has a lot, a lot of the work goes at home. Like I, it took me 37 years to, this is the most visible I've been about my transness. This is the first time that I'm talking about it openly. So thank you for giving me this space. And it took me just a few weeks ago to come out to my mother. And I felt like I couldn't do that because of everything that had been instilled in me from specifically growing up in Miami and growing Latinx because I was never man enough. And like, that's just never who I was. So holding space for these kids at home is where it really starts. And I think that that's gonna be a long time of unlearning in order to get there. Ashley. I think there's a couple of pieces that I want to go ahead and see. Like, you think you slick, Ada. That's why you wanted me to come on here. Because <laughs> you know I'm about to cut through the shit, right? Mm -hmm. So basically, there's a couple of things. One, again, pretty much what we've said a piece of is that most of the violence we experience is because of the stories that are being told. But I think I have to go in deeper. What stories are they telling about us? You know, we're the punchline. You know, when there, there's like four guys in a bar and there's a cute girl and, oh, it's really a dude. You know, we think of shit like The Hangover. We think of films like The Crying Game. So basically there's this idea that our whole existence as trans women specifically is to, uh, you know, that our identities are centered on our ability to satisfy a man's libido. So it's this hypersexualization, and even when we look at violence toward trans women that isn't because a guy is attracted to us, it's because of misogyny. It's because of the idea that women in general are there for male pleasure. And so just for existing, men feel entitled, uh, cis men feel entitled to women. You know, when we think about incel culture, it's, it's a lot broader than we think. And so by a trans woman merely existing, it's seen as if we're offering ourselves to them just for breathing, just for daring uh, to be visible, just for taking up space. The other piece um, is that these organizations need to do better. Everybody and their mama and their ancestor knows how I feel about Black. 
And I know that this is going to shake the table a little bit because I know that this. I didn't know. I watched it because I felt that it was my duty to support it because going back to talking about why these projects aren't greenlit and to Kai's point, we do have money, but many times the studios and these producers don't feel that there's going to be a return on their investment. And so mm. they're like, why even bother? And so even though I saw that GLAAD was, it was one of their big like projects and they were a part of it, I had to push past that. But just so we're clear, when we're talking about trans identity and queer identity and which stories are worthy of being told, there's this indoctrination, even in you know um, organizations or LGBTQ media that tries to become a microcosm of the thing that we're trying to dismantle at the macro. So we give front row priority to light-skinned uh, Latinx folks, or we give priority to light-skinned Black folks, or the ones who are solely in the beauty industry. We're not um, amplifying the voices of activists and people who are actually in the trenches doing the work, not saying you can't be in Hollywood and the trenches, but the reality is that the people who are making the decisions in Hollywood, they want to settle for this watered down, mediocre, um, sanitized version of what trans identity is. My biggest dilemma isn't figuring out fucking which shade of lipstick I want to wear. It's how <laughs> to be able to leave the house in the morning and come home at night. It's not about whether or not I can fit into this dress and if this guy thinks I'm hot. It's about can I even get a job so I can have access to health care? Am mm. I going to be able to pay my rent? Am I going to have to go to bed with someone just so I can be able to, 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 to feed myself? You know? And so tying that up, I think that a lot of the responsibility and a lot of the uh, careful interrogation doesn't just fall on the cisgender community. It also falls on, on the trans community too and the LGBTQ organizations that are part of the nonprofit industrial complex that continue to um, pay attention to trans identity, but they don't want to address their anti-Blackness that overlaps with that transphobia that we see ever so pervasive in society. Yes. The intersectionality that we continue to mention but ignore all at the same time. Ser? Well, thank you so much for speaking on that, Ashley and like hi, and of course, like um, I'm sorry, Henry. I I, I this is my first time meeting you on here, so I uh, this is an honor though. So thank you for speaking on that and speaking, you know, truth to power. Really, um, as far as like media affected me, like I really didn't um, realize that until recently that, like you know, you piece it together throughout the time, but it's sort of like I'm I, I like all of that media, like Kai was saying, it's like, and, and Ashley, you know, you're saying that it, it could be that you're the bad person. You're the one that, that that's gonna be ridiculed. You're the butt of the joke. And, and, and it's all of these different manifestations based on the cis male gaze and their own perspective of what and ever that story may be. And so when I watched these movies, I blocked it out. And I can't believe that it, and, you know, and it started, and I started unstripping that, you know, layers by layers throughout the years, and especially now with so much more trans representation and trans activists and um, being like uh, in, in contact with and also working with and in the, in, the, in the industry. As far as like how to improve it, I mean, I've been thinking about this and I go, why can't people that once you get in the room, once you have the power, once you are the star or once you have the writer that you could write, 
that says I need trans people to be involved in this production. That says that we need non-binary. We need, you know, we need a percentages of such people that we need. You know, like we need this representation of trans and non gender non-conforming people, like behind the scenes. And not only that, why isn't why can't we have programs like I know that, you know, uh, there's transparent that was like doing that. I haven't worked on that pro project, so I'm not exactly sure, but it's more like say hey you got directors you got you know those those kinds of those kinds of in unions within the industry are so hard to break into it's like yo why can't it be that you hire somebody that trains somebody and gives them the knowledge because sometimes you can't even get into school you can't even like you're saying that you can't get health care you can't get i can't even open up a bank account sometimes like all these things that you come across and 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 so that's something that I was kind of thinking about, uh, you know, when it comes to like, how could people uh, make a change or how do we do this? Uh, if I can't have the power, then we can find people that have the power and then maybe they could be the allies that could include us or, you know, as more people rise, they could actually say, we ha include this in our package. You want this right now, like you want this project, you know, we're pitching this to you, you want it? Well, it comes with this, this and this. Absolutely front at the forefront you know just like the tig uh not tig the um the dante gill story that was you know uh, scarlett johansson was was uh <laughs> didn't uh, end up making and now it's it's uh it's um our lady jay that's writing it and penning the pilot and it and they made it that the the person that's going to be playing the the star who's dante gill or the story the main character is going to be a trans man or a trans person so it's like that's what I'm talking about. Like now we can do this and, and we have these kind of like different ways that maybe we think, you know, how can we, you know, within the structures that we have, right? The systems, like what can we do to, 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 to bring more power into these, into these structures and to, to have more control into like, yes, trans people should be telling trans people stories, you know, um, black, you know, black people need people telling black people stories and that kind of, you know, situation when it comes even to, to disability, like, it, I'm trying to be like, hey, I'm gonna come in with my with my blind spots here. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's Afro Latinx. You know, the Caribbean. Like, so many different people. Maybe I leave out when I think about Latinx or 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 you know, it's the disabled. Like the fact that I don't even see or think about disabled. My ability. I do all these things. Stand. Let's stand with you. Well, a lot of people can't stand. Like, so I'm trying to do stuff of uh, like that, so that I also am practicing what I preach when I say. Hey, you cisgendered people, you know, like, what about trans people and other gendered people and, and intersex people? And, you know, so. Why, why, uh, why is it important for people like Scarlett Johansson and Halle Berry, who also stepped away? Why is it important? Hollywood needs to understand why it is important for transgender humans to play transgender humans. Um, and in addition to the fact that it's a damn job and it's already hard enough to get a job when you're a trans person. So now when they portray you in Hollywood and your story, they're going to go get a, a, a cisgender person to play that role, too. But I, I think that when I say it, I'm speaking for you. So I want you to speak for yourself and just let people really understand why it is so important that not only they're in the writer's rooms, they're in the producer chairs and the director seats. But they're also in front of the camera portraying the roles. I think one of the biggest issues is that it reinforces uh, this characterized culture of who we are. So we aren't caricatures. So, from example, when you see Jared Leto going up to get that award for Dallas Buyers Club, 
he's doing it with a full face of hair, you know, not that again, that women can't have goatees or beards, but I mean, to the cis normative, uh, through the cis normative gaze, they, they just think, oh, that was all drag. It's a costume, it all comes off. And then to your point, they're stealing economic opportunities from a community that on a national average makes less than $10,000 a year. Mm. And so we're already looking at the ways in which we've been erased from uh, being able to make money in uh, just like in um, just like regular societal places like retail or you know an office or but then when we have that one shot for those of us who are creators to tell our story or to add that that layer of authenticity that has been missing we're even deprived of that and so essentially you're capitalizing off of uh, trauma porn because even when you look at the stories that are being told, they're stories that uh, don't present us as whole people. We're always presented as having this, um, and not that those stories aren't important for people who are still searching for identity, right? However, you would think that of all the stories that have been told, we would get presented with a trans character that doesn't have an internal conflict uh, you know, based on who they are that their actual um, conflict in the storyline has nothing to do with their gender, or that we're not there as um, an extension of someone's sexual you know, deviancy or just different things like that. And so I think ultimately what makes it problematic is that when we tell them that it's hurtful, when we tell them that it's harmful, they push back the way Scarlett Johansson did and does mm -hmm. for you know, when we continue to talk about the pain and suffering that we go through and then J.K. Rowling still feels that it's necessary to step up and then say some fuck shit that's going to further uh, uh, propagate the notion that trans women are really just men who are trying to take up space with cis women. We really have to drive in accountability. But I think what makes it difficult is that some of the trans folks in Hollywood, they don't always want to say what needs to be said because it's this fear of this is my opportunity and I may lose it. And so what I would propose is that they start speaking up because again, we need to stop uh, subscribing to respectability politics authored by institutions that will never respect us. So you may think that, you know, you have, you know, they may make you feel special for five minutes, but they're going to move on to the next thing eventually. And so I feel that people on the ground need to support people who are in Hollywood and really uplift them and support them so that when they do speak up, they're supported and they're not erased and never heard of again. And I think that people in Hollywood, the trans folks in Hollywood, need to also stay connected to the community and stop letting white executives in Hollywood tell you what your journey and your story is and to keep it authentic by staying plugged in to the base. That's right. I think that shit's real. I think that it's also really exhausting when I'm 16 weeks in a room pitching a fucking story and all these people are minimizing that. And when it gets to the point where it's greenlit, you're like, fuck, it's more important to tell this story than to keep fighting that this episode needs to be directed by a trans person and not a cis white queer person. It's just like you, you, there's a level of exhaustion that also prevents you from fighting the fight all the way through. I mean, I take responsibility for that, but when you're in those rooms, it's really, really difficult. So I, I wanted to say this because a lot of the work of white supremacy is to, to, to divide and conquer. And so if you watch this whole thing with the Emmys, 
you see Latin people screaming, but the black people got this. And then mm. when they're talking about Pose, they bring up Billy Porter got nominated and, you know, uh, Angelica didn't. And so we are constantly fighting for the scraps while they feast yeah. at the top, you know, they, and so we're just, we we keep turning to another marginalized group and saying, but they got that. And I'm really trying to use my platform to unpack that and really address it because you don't have to point out that another marginalized group is getting something in Hollywood um, to say we deserve a space as well. Because mm. today we did a panel today, and there there were there were some blind spots. And on the panel, said spoke up because there was no LGBTQ plus and trans representation, and there was no black representation. And we were talking about Latinx people, and we were you know we were. We were, it, 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 there was a blind spot. So two people offered to give up their seats, right? An indigenous woman and a, and a gay man, right? They both offered to give up their seats. And I was like, no, add more seats. Add yes. more seats. You don't Why have give to. Up? And, that, and, 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 and just like that, 11 people were on this panel where it normally would have been nine because we have this lack mentality that there's only room at the top for one, when we know good and goddamn well that Hollywood is about money. So if tomorrow a bunch of trans shows showed up and them motherfuckers were making everybody rich, yeah. white people would be like, all the trans people are getting all the shows, right? <laughs> Can we we already are given that. They're already given that by us asking for one role or for one, uh, to Henry's point, for us to just produce one thing or like to be the director. And they're like, but, 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 but. And it's just like, I think it's based on, again, this idea of meritocracy, this idea yes. that all you have to do is just pull yourself up by the bootstraps and work as hard as we did, but you're talking to the boobies, as Dr. King would refer to it as, you know what I mean? You're talking to folks that haven't been afforded, we haven't even been afforded basic dignity and human respect and rights, you know what I mean? Let alone an opportunity to uh, to prove how brilliant and multifaceted and talented and gifted we are. And so I think um, that's also part of the fear is that trans folks are divine, we're brilliant. We're not just coming from this boring, watered down, single axis <laughs> right. you know, way of looking at the world. We mm. bring so much with us. We are a culmination of all of, of, all of our world's most beautiful uh, attributes and aspects and all of that. And so they're afraid that they're gonna get shown up. That's what yes, it is. that's so real. <laughs> yeah, no, because they, I'm so tired of hearing, like when people, we were talking about the Emmys, they were like, well, Jarrell yeah. Jerome won an Emmy last year. That's one for the black Latino team. Yeah. And we're like, or that is on uh, Vida, you know what I mean? And it's, it's this like, do you understand we have a we can we have a full realized spectrum like there are trans people who don't want to wear makeup or fake nails yep. you know there are some trans people who don't uh, who don't wear who who dress up from top to bottom and cover their bodies and are very demure in their dress there are some people who don't snap when they make an appointment and it's just so hard to to live in the world in our skin as people who belong to marginalized groups when all you see is that that's being put out and the crying game 
for the love of God, just instilled the fear of trans women into people and weaponized it as if it is a ploy to take straight men down, knowing good and God, good and goddamn well that if you are just trans attracted, that is what you are. And nobody, there was no glamorizing like true blood to make you do that. So I just, I, I'm sorry. Really have to say, a good show. I'm taking yeah. that So I'm going to y'all. Because it, I, I read, you know, I, I'm, I'm angry, you know, I'm politically activated. I get very angry. Ben Carson and his brainiac ass. Todd yep. created a guideline on identifying trans women for proposed rule, allowing homeless oh. shelters to deny them entry. So this is systemic, right, to, to the utmost degree. And so this is, you walk around in your skin and laws, um, I went into a bathroom in New York City. There was a six foot five white man in the bathroom using the bathroom, and I remember because it was a, a uh, it was a it, it was a, a bathroom for everyone. And uh, one of the people were like, you know, trans people use that bathroom, and I was like, I'm more scared of the straight white guy that's in here that's bigger than me. I've, I've been molested three times. I ain't never got molested by a gay or a trans person. So the, the demonization of trans people constantly, I'm sorry, I'm taking up space, but I think I, it needs to be said because I'm talking to people like me who are cisgender and we perpetuate this. When people take that away from you and with the bathroom controversy and demonizing trans humans as if they are demonic or perverted, are there to uh, molest and uh, and abuse children? I really want you to speak to that because it is, for me, it is infuriating and and it's condescending for me to say that because you have to live that shit. And the the funny thing about the the whole the bathroom situation is that just um, people don't realize that they're they're hurting themselves with that argument, even because to say that uh, you need to look like enough of a woman or enough of a man to use. Uh, this bathroom uh, kind of puts people uh, in in the in the in the uh, a target on people who are cis and don't look super masculine or super feminine. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I find that I find that funny. Um, but yeah, I think I I don't understand it. The people who uh, on one hand want to always ask trans people uncomfortable questions about their bodies. And then uh, on the other hand, still say that um, uh, a trans person using the bathroom next to them is, is very uncomfortable. It's like, so do you, do you want this person to, to, do you want to know what's in this person's pants or, or do you want to be scared of having them pee next to you? Because you, you can't have it both ways. But also I, I think most people uh, have uh, a unisex bathroom at home that they're fine with everyone using. So <laughs> I love you. I always love Kai though. Kai goes in on Twitter. Ashley and Kai are on the opposite side of the spectrum because uh, Ashley will get up there and, and she'll Albert Einstein some shit. Like 70% of 14% divided by the state. And I'm like, I can't keep up with her ass. And then Kai will be like, with one of the darkest jokes ever known to humans. And it's just so fun that, to live in a world where you both exist. Um, I, I do want to speak to this. 
Yeah, so I think um, really quick, a large part of it is that the reason why this administration can be so much transphobia with impunity is they're uniting their bases because we don't want to admit that trans identity is the one thing that America can agree on that's, that's um, you know, I guess like a joke or unworthy of being taken serious or, you know, it's basically how they can unite one another through hate. And it is the trans community. And not only that, but talking about intersectionality again, um, and for those who don't really know what that means, intersectionality describes multiple threats of discrimination when someone's identity overlaps with multiple marginalized groups. So I'm not, as the way that I've always said it, uh, racism, sexism, and transphobia don't line up and wait their turn. They strike simultaneously. Mm. You know what I mean? And so the thing is that when you allow Black trans women to get murdered, you're inviting fuckery into the women's rights movement. You're inviting fuckery into LGBTQ liberation. You're inviting fuckery into Black liberation. You're inviting fuckery to immigrant rights because there are trans refugees and immigrants who will literally be put to death in their countries. And this is the only opportunity that they have of surviving, you know? And the other piece too is that, um, I think we need to have an honest conversation about the fact that we keep saying we want to destabilize white supremacy, but that's bullshit. I think a lot of communities want to sit next to white supremacy. Mm. They want to be able to access the benefits of white supremacy. But if you were actually trying to uh, dismantle systems of anti-blackness, xenophobia, transphobia, homophobia, fatphobia, ableism, and all of these, uh, these uh, symptoms of social sickness, you would not be transphobic. You would fight for Black trans lives. You would fight for immigrants and refugees. You would fight for reproductive rights. You would fight for all those things because we need to realize that those uh, forms of bigotry were actually not even necessarily created for Black folks. They were created to siphon off power and wealth from other white folks. So white supremacy will eat its own young. And I think that that's the conversation we're not having. Like, when we see poor white folks who want to be mad at immigrants and they want to be mad at black folks and be mad at your motherfucking self because white supremacy sold you the fuck out and threw you under the bus. You were the sacrificial lamb so that the folks at the top um, and so those are the conversations that really leaving here today, I just had to really just insert that is that we need to really be honest and interrogate ourselves about what our true intention is. Do you want to abolish? Uh, do you want to abolish these systems of oppression, or do you want to extract the benefits from it and then attempt to discard the ones that are harmful to you? And it doesn't work like that. Sadie, you were going to speak. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for saying that too. Um, it's it's like a lot, you know, to process, right? Um, but thank you for speaking that too. Um, I was just kind of wanted to just add just with the Latinx experience, you know, we were talking about, you know, what the issues sometimes could could be when we are talking on Twitter, are we talking about, you know, our issues and that kind of thing. Um, sometimes I feel like uh, our, our, I say, you know, Latinx people, uh, and I think about, you know, we started playing oppression Olympics, you know, um, and it starts to be like a victim, the victim mentality, like, you know, what about this and what about that? You know what I mean? And 
I think it's important though within that, as we're talking about, you know, why John Leguizamo's comments are problematic or why, you know. Ooh, John Leguizamo didn't like that. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we could, you could also like break that down and the Hispanic caucus completely leaving out black people from Latin American experience, like hello. And so that says very telling about where we're at right now. If the Hispanic caucus of our country is saying we have not had any Latinx nominations in the past six years for the Emmys, Jarrell Jerome just won last year, you know, it was just like really like jarring. And, and, it, and it was like, this is the, you know, more of the work that I'm going to be focusing on too, because we know it, but it's like, you know, then there's like Black Lives Matter Los Angeles. What I'm talking about or Black Lives Matter, you could you could be like, we're gonna do uh, focus on on the Okra project. You know, we're gonna. Well, there's also like this deep, you know, uh, seated racism within our Latinx community, and uh, and so I think this victim mentality sort of like takes a lot. And I'm one of the people that's like also decolonizing de that within myself, like really looking at how I'm becoming across and really am being in that moment and trying to break them patterns because that's where I'm at. Like. Uh, how do how do I learn how to love as we're holding ourselves accountable? I learned that through black people. I didn't learn that through my Latinx, like the like I learned it through Black Lives Matter, you know, members. And and I was in my own community. I know it's we fight, we fight, and we you know, and I'm like trying to change that around. And I think a lot of people are in that too. You know, we're trying to change it around, but still like going, okay, this is very uncomfortable. We also have to hold each other accountable and also be not counseling each other um, and really hold people to that uh, levels of accountability that are within within us and through these different systems as well. Um, uh, and we talk about systemic gendering, like the US Supreme Court, the court say you can't enter this courtroom unless if you're a woman, you're dressed a certain way, they say you have to wear Whatever is acceptable. You can't wear pants or whatever. Like, it's very like Handmaid's Tale, <laughs> like, you know? And that's like a really like, what? And then I was like, have to remind myself that, you know, even though we know what's going on and what Trump has been saying, that we still don't have equal rights as tr with our gender, trans, non-binary people. We can be denied healthcare. We do not have equal rights. Um, and another thing just about the Latinx experience that I think is important is just that I've been hearing some of my own folks like being Latinx saying, you're too sensitive, trans people saying this and that, y'all are too sensitive. But yet when Trump says stuff about Mexicans and Latino people being criminals and all that, then it's like, oh, hell no. And we got to take them down. So it's sort of like, okay, so we got to be like looking at where we're picking and choosing what we're doing here. Um, and, and yes, just like, and we're have stand-up comics in the house. And I know that, you know, we have stand-up throughout the years. Stand-up comics have been so transphobic and continue to perpetuate the same anti-trans stereotypes and all of these conditions they throw in out there and they claim the first amendment, right? First amendment. And it's like, yes. And I was that person too, you know, and I'm just like, but there is a thing as such as hate speech. And there is some, this is like where we have to really like keep on carving or keep on cutting them, use a machete. And like, we need to, and in a, in a way that's not like not violently, I'm saying it like we have to really keep exploring these things that we, you know, the dominant culture has been exploring for us and has been saying who, you know, trans black women are, trans Latinas are. But 
we are the ones here saying we are who we are and it's shifting and you know people can love dave chappelle but can we hold dave chappelle accountable i don't know you can i can't because i'll get blackballed but go ahead I, me too. <laughs> I think so here's my thing on that i kind of and i love that you named that us there and i think that that's why like this platform ida is like so important because i have a thing I agree. In fact, anybody who knows knows that I literally showed up, me and Patrice Colors, and shut down Charlemagne the God on MSNBC stage when they tried to play my sister Janet Mock, like they was getting ready to like like when Lil Duval was on there. Um, because first and foremost, don't let some of these watered down narratives get your ass whooped. Because I'm not the trans woman that's going to let you put your hands on me, or never will I be in a space that I allow you to put any of my siblings' uh, life or safety at harm. That's first. I just had to issue that disclaimer. Second, um, the thing is, it became real for me when I was, there was one week when they, um, Drake, Common, Neo, LeBron James, uh, Dev Hines, all of these Black men were saying these beautiful things about trans women. And I wanted to pitch a story to editors who I was also friends with about the way that we're starting to see a social shift and how um, black the black community is starting to try to embrace black trans women. Not a single editor will let me write that story, but let Kanye's mental health act up, let R. Kelly pop off and get in Gail King's face, let uh, you know Dave Chappelle come out with some trashy shit or like, or like and everybody's beating down my inbox to write about it. So right now, and I don't know that I have an answer for this, but I personally felt that some of my barriers to calling that out publicly is that I'm tired of um, enacting white supremacy on other uh, POC for white consumption. And they set us up like that sometimes where they were literally, well, what about black on black crime? You know, all this yeah. shit yeah. they like to say to try to play us against one another. So I think that we do need to think about what does that space look like? I know some of those spaces look like spaces that are black spaces or Afro-Latinx or Latinx or, you know, having our own spaces where we can actually try to heal those things. Cause I've always said, we can't heal what we don't reveal, but there mm -hmm. is reservations for me in dragging other black folks publicly because they're just waiting, chomping at the bits to be able to use that shit against us. Yeah. So I, I mean, the show went by like this, but I don't, I don't want to end it now because I want to. I think it's important to have this conversation because people's lives are depending on the, you know, the 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 portrayal and the understanding of the human the humanity of trans people and trans humans. So I want you to tell me what you think are some challenges to trans rights activism and some uh, some positives in the activism and some of the things that cis people can do and people who are interested, because there I, I see a lot of damage to trans people by the LGBT community itself. And I mean, people don't realize that racism exists in it all. And so when you talk about the LGBTQ plus community, you know, there are a lot of white gay men who are rich and don't identify with the rest of the group. And it's like a hierarchy, like they're beneath us um, because that that's the way they do marginalize people. Right. That That's that's also the divide and conquer. But racism is not, you know, it, it, it's 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 
it's not a it's it's part of the whole thing as you said Ashley. i'm losing my words because i get angry and i and one thing i wanted to say in holding latinx people accountable because we like a lot of a lot of latinx people claim their racism but a lot of latinx people are self-hating black people who call it racism but don't call it what it is and it is self-hating because they don't want to admit their blackness and so when we hold them accountable there, there is the white racism, white racism that exists in the Latinx community. And then there is a faction of our people who are black people who don't want to call themselves black people and come up with all kinds of names for their, for their black, not to say black. So we just got to call a spade, pun intended, a spade. So um, what? let's talk about activism and let's talk about in your space where you stand, how you see people... Um, being better allies, creating, and, and I want to know about policies and practical ways to help because the lofty idea of, well, I just accept you the way you are. That's what white people have been saying to black people for generations. It's not, I don't need you to accept me for uh, who I am. I need you to get out of my way. I don't need you to be my friend. I need to be able to get a loan, a job, a decent place to live, a valuable education, healthcare. That's what I need. You don't have to like me. That's where, where I differ from. I don't need a hug. I don't need a pat on the head. I need you to get out my motherfucking way so I can live a decent and honorable life. So when, I, when people want to know how they can help, please let them know how they can help the community. And in practical ways, and in ways that make sense, that can really enhance the lives of trans humans in this society. I think one of the things that I've uh, gained is um, is working from a place of cross cultural collaboration. Like right now, I'm gonna be petty, but I just saw somebody in the comments said, um, "This person has tweeted so many racist posts that she deleted gross." I know you're talking about me, and the thing is that ten years ago. I was not the same person that I am today because first of all, I was a kid. Second of all, um, we have to get to this place where we realize that we all have the same common enemies and it's uh, white supremacy and the ways in which it shows up in social settings and systemic settings. And so when we fuck up and we get it wrong, we need to be given more grace and compassion and ability to grow and evolve and join forces and build together, then we give white supremacy because we afford that to white supremacy. So why don't we afford that to ourselves? That's why the Gina Rodriguez's and the conversations that you will never see me really, like I'll be side-eyeing, but I will never come out and do white supremacy's work for it. So please stop doing that shit. That's that. And so with my organization personally, You Are Essential, that's what we're doing. We're saying that even as a black trans woman, it's not enough for me to just care about trans issues. I'm on the front line for immigrant rights. I'm on the front line for reproductive rights. I'm on the front line for folks who are incarcerated, even though I don't have a record. I'm on the front line for folks who have health disparities. I'm on the front line for the homeless, even though I'm housed. You know what I mean? Like there's all of these things. We have to get to this place where we stop um, tearing each other down in a way that doesn't give us the opportunity to grow and evolve and mobilize our respective communities to show up on the front line of the fight for all human rights. And so that's what it is. We cannot continue to be single issue advocates or single issue voters, but we have to be able to look at white supremacy and the many manifestations that it shows up as. Okay, Henry? 
Um, I think Ashley said everything. I didn't know that the fucking comments were here, so I was like totally in it. Uh, no, I think I, I, Ashley is always, always so eloquent and I always kind of refer to you um, even if we don't know each other on like exactly what the point is. So I always, um, I value your perspective. Said? Can you hear me? Kai? I don't have a solution, but yeah, I mean, uh, Ashley said said it she said a lot and it was uh, all very accurate um i i find one one thing that is always interesting to me is when, when you know going back to the hollywood thing is when people be, people say things like oh so if they're making the little mermaid you expect them to cast a real mermaid to play her uh, <laughs> it, as a, a parallel to casting trans people to play trans people and that that tells me two things it tells me one you don't see trans people as people because mermaids don't actually exist unless you also believe in like the Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot. But also, uh, you know, if you're making a movie about firefighters and you happen to get a submission from an actual firefighter who can also act real well, aren't you gonna cast him? Like, it's the same thing. Like the transness is not a costume. It's not, um, it's, it's not, you, you know, it's not something to be used for uh, someone who is really trying to get an award who has no relation to, no experience with, with the community. It's a facet of a person and uh, you shouldn't have to start from scratch to, to develop the, the basic human traits of, of someone and then build on that, you know, as, as an actor, you should, you should already kind of, kind of be in the know a little bit. But I mean, aside from that, I don't, I don't know of a solution other than, you know, amplify uh, trans voices. Um, you know, share people's content. That's a big thing. Is is uh, sharing sharing content that uh, online that includes the uh, perspectives of, of people who aren't normally heard. If someone is asking for recommendations about who who should I check out, um, you know, on Twitter or social media, you see it all the time. Who should I check out? Who's like a new comedian? Who's a new artist or whatever? Um, and then you you see people recommending a long list of people who are already famous, like. Yeah. Like they're not easy to find. So uh, I mean, that's a big thing. It's just like supporting the community with, uh, by by getting helping them get their voices out there because, I mean, content is king right now, and that's that's a that's a big thing. Is just uh, reaching more people uh, with your voice. Thank you, Sam. Yeah, definitely. Content content is king, uh, or content is queen, or however, or maybe just not not even the royalty phrase, but um, but yes, I totally agree is what I'm saying is, um, I think that content is key, like really, like if you continue, continue putting out the content, um, one of the things that I did to understand how television impacts policy and legislation is I took a workshop with Fabiana Rodriguez, the artist, and she really broke down and uh, the, the way that television shows lead to pretty much eight years as the marker, eight years down the line, it leads to a change in policy or a change in, in, um, in laws and that kind of thing. So it's great to, to embrace that and to know that that's the power of television, you know, altogether. And, and, and people are like, oh, look, Modern Family came out eight years later, we have, um, you know, we have the right to, to marry, uh, you know, same sex and that kind of thing. So that's really important to remember. I just think 
also within entertainment and activism is becoming like, you know, this within the last years. And I think we're discovering a lot of what those relationships look like, what it means or what, what could be done and what, what to explore in this sort of like un, unknown, you know, we haven't explored it yet, like kind of deal, um, being in some positions and being able to have a platform and that kind of thing. Um, but I, I also think that when I talk to my people <laughs> that are activists on the street, like, you know, Latinx and that kind of thing, or maybe, you know, um, front lines, like they discredit my work as an artist within the same movement. And I think that we really need to embrace each other doing our own work within our own lane, still holding each other accountable if we're anti, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you're not really, whatever, you're being anti-Black, like you're not really including Afro-Latinx, like however, but really like embracing that we have our own strengths and that we can get into that room. You never know next week I could be on or whatever. And all of a sudden I have a bigger platform. So that's sort of like where I'm at. Like I'm trying to, I've tried to build bridges with some people, but it's like, they, it could be that because I'm light skinned, you know, so I have to like take a step back down or it could be because maybe the gender kind of, they have me have some issues with transphobia or whatever that they don't recognize. So it could be a lot of things. Um, but that's kind of like where I'm, uh, what I've been thinking about lately, you know. Um, can you amplify some of the names right now of some of the activists who are on the ground that don't have the benefit of celebrity, but do the work every day? Um, I like to do that here. We always call out the names of people that you should know and follow who are doing the work because truth be told, many of us, when our jobs come back, we're gonna go back to being the artists that we are. And then those people will be still doing the work that they've been doing forever. So um, please call out the names of some of the people that people should know and, and follow. Anyone? I can't go. I just didn't, I, I tend to take up a lot of, so like I'm trying to just like. Take it, take the space. Okay. <laughs> So basically, um, there's just what's the weird thing because some aren't celebrities, but they're still a growing presence on social media. So I'm just gonna say who I appreciate and learn from. And there's way too many to list, so please don't be mad if I don't mention uh, Sonia Renee Taylor. Um, definitely um, uh, Hope Giselle, who's a brilliant Black trans woman. Um, I think of um, of uh, Sharon. Um, I can't think of Sharon's last name. She's in Philadelphia. She's this trans woman that does a lot of stuff in community and is amazing. I think of, um, I think of, um, oh my gosh. Okay, I'm on the spot and now my mind is like clouded. Um, I think of Aaron Lang, I love Aaron Lang. I think of, um, I think of, yeah, I'm just gonna leave it at that because I'm kind of like, blah, blah. <laughs> Anybody else have any names? Future Con, Patrice Colors, like, yeah. Anybody else have any names they want to call out? No. No? Okay. I can't hear you, Kai. You're muted. Um, okay. Did you say something? I didn't hear you. Oh, no, I, I don't have any. I don't have any off the top. So before I go, because I am a stand-up comedian and I do belong to that community and I do believe in holding people accountable, um, including myself. I said a joke on uh, the Young Turks that was received by some people as being transphobic. 
And um, I didn't, my joke didn't come from the perspective of attacking trans people, but defending them because I was talking about Caitlyn Jenner and how Caitlyn Jenner has used her privilege to exploit trans, the trans experience. Um, and, you know, there are people who are poor, who don't have the benefit of what Caitlyn Jenner has, who are black, who are Latino, who are living uh, on the streets. And so that's what fueled the joke. But I'm going to share the joke with you right now quickly. And I want all of you to tell me if you feel like if it's it's a transphobic joke so I can retire it because I have not, because I uh, I have a certain animus toward the Kardashian uh, evil establishment. <laughs> but the joke was that um, I felt that uh, uh, Kris Jenner is a pimp and she keeps all of her children. That she made vagina so lucrative in that household, she made Bruce Jenner want to go get one. I saw Ashley's face. Well, this is this is the condescending thing that people who don't belong to the groups do, right? Because in my mind, I'm speaking out against someone who's exploiting trans people. But I had Charlemagne on the show and I addressed Charlemagne's transphobic uh, commentary, right? We, we had that conversation. I'm not exempt from that because as I think about it now, because I'm having a conversation with trans human beings, that that dehumanizes uh, trans women, that it trivializes the sexuality of trans people. And even though I think I'm telling the joke, I'm using myself as an example and putting myself on the line because I feel like it's a teaching moment for, for straight people, uh, cis people, or the people who, who make jokes about gay people and trans people or whatever. It, it never dawned on me that I was doing that. And I thought I was championing trans people and it didn't help that some trans people would support the joke without me thinking that there are some self-hating trans people. So I, I just want you to tell me because I am not beyond perfection. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it is. It's transphobic. You dead name Caitlyn, and you also make it about what's between her legs, which is like counter what the point is, you know? Okay. So. I think the other piece, too, is that, and it wasn't just you, and I appreciate you being, you know, open and kind of like putting it out there. I saw a lot of LGBTQ folks do that shit, too. Like, where they were just like, oh, you know, her old name, her old name. And it's just like, Okay, but if you do that shit to her, you'll do that shit to me. All it takes is for me to say one thing. And I even saw other trans folks being like, well, yeah, that's different, Kaylin. And it's like, but is it really? Because when the, you know, when it's all said and done, Kaylin's going to be safe, tucked away up in that mansion in Malibu. We're not. And so yes. we're going to catch the fallout of whatever happens with people's, um, you know, conflation of trans identity with, um, you know, being counterfeit. And being real about it is that's what matters to me because I don't give a fuck about Caitlyn Jenner. But <laughs> because you said that, and that not be, not Caitlyn Jenner because she's trans or not not Chris Jenner because she's a woman, but because of all of the space that they take up and soak up when we have so many issues when it comes to the black people, the Latinx people and all the stuff. But but because of I've had interactions and I'm just not I'm just gonna leave it there. But what but it does matter to me how that what I say affects you, every person on this panel, because I consider you my friends and your lives matter to me. So mm -hmm. of me saying that, even though I am attacking 
Caitlin, it's going to trickle down and affect your everyday life, then the joke is dead. And that that's that's what I think we need to do because I mean I'm not beyond correction, you know, like and well, I think the whole thing is when we think about comedy historically, comedy was meant to punch up, not down. And so this is the same conversation that I've been having with um, you know, we'll do off camp and all of them, is that it's kind of just like um when we think about punching up, we think about the ruling class. We think about folks who have the power to destroy us and kill us and have been doing so with impunity and trans people don't have that kind of power. We don't mm. have, just like when people say like black folks are racist, you know, like we can't be in that sense. We can be biased. We can be, um, you know, express bigotry, but we can't be racist because that is a system based on power and the oppression of marginalized folks. And we just don't have that power. So when we actually uh, drag trans humans through the mud for uh, at the expense of someone else's idea of humor, we're you know driving another bullet through their chest or you know taking another slice of the blade at their necks you know and so it just i think that it does require consciousness and just understanding that um that those words live in the space for a very long time and it takes us each time we tell a joke like that it could have a five or ten year shelf life you know what i mean that takes off of our lives what well, well so I don't, I don't, I, I make it my business not to apologize as a comedian, because for me, it's important that we hold the space where comedians can say things that do push the envelope, but at the same time are accountable for the things that we say. And so I, I apologize to you because if I said something that will put you in danger, people who I care about as human beings, I certainly have to own that. And, um, and when you said, you know, you said, uh, Ashley, you're not who you were 10 years ago. That joke is a joke that I wrote uh, 10 years ago now. So when Kevin Hart apologized, uh, and he is not who he was 10 years ago, um, does Kevin Hart also get an apo his apology accepted? How long is the penance? <laughs> and, and I say that with everybody because the thing is that if if we don't have a, a room for growth and grace and empathy and because I, I do think that Kevin I know people who don't have any regard for trans people or gay people in the comedy community those are the same people who don't give a shit about black people and brown people and indigenous they, they tend to be the same people who all they do is talk shit about every single group and call it comedy but I don't think Kevin Hart is one of those people. So when I, when I, uh, and Kai, you know, you're, you're beholden to a, a, a fraternity, if you will, of people who usually, usually say things that are offensive and are, and a lot of people use comedy as a tool to, to educate people. I want to know how do people who have said things like myself, who have been insensitive to the community um, start building, you know, healthy relationships with the trans community and creating trust so that they can believe that, like myself, is a true ally. Well, I think we don't. I think we need to not cancel people so immediately. And we and this may be controversial to a lot. I don't want to look at the comments, but. Um, <laughs> I turned it off because I was going to dive in like Trey Songz. I'm like, I, think I, <laughs> I, I, I think we need to engage in conversation and educate. And if we cancel people too immediate, 
we're missing the opportunity to do that and in turn becoming the oppressor that we're fighting against. So if we're not talking, we're not learning and people are gonna retreat even further to ask questions. So we need to sort of like, everybody just needs to listen a little more gently. Uh, I am gonna uh, dive into a comment real quick, uh, just because uh, someone, someone made the comment that like, oh, it's, it's ironic that this panel is about representation and you couldn't think of one person to shout out. Here's the thing, as a black trans guy comedian, I know one other black trans guy comedian and, and uh, that's why we're doing this. So, and uh, you know, I mean, he doesn't need my shout out, but I mean, you guys can look him up, look up D'Lo. He's great. He's also an activist. I know one other activist. I know one. I'm not an activist. I'm a comedian. I know one other black trans male comedian uh, who also happens to be an activist. So it, it's not that, you know, it's it's the fact that there's that is one of the main reasons why we're doing this. But as far as uh, what people can do in, in comedy is if you say something fucked up, uh, apologize and mean it. Um, but also don't don't expect everyone to accept your apology because um, you, you know you you have you should always have the option to to put your apology out there. But just like in life, if you do someone dirty, they're not entitled to accept your apology. Yeah, I received that. So I, I think it's important to have these conversations because I think that. I mean, every single one of us represents some sort of marginalized group. There's intersections here. And, and, and in the landscape, the greater landscape of things, we are all, all have been a caricature at some point. You know, when I think about being a little girl and seeing Chato and, hmm. and seeing, you know, a woman that is Latin, um, you know, being over-sexualized and always her bosom being focused and, a, and an accent. Um, you know, that we don't speak English, you know, it, it just, after a while, it tears down because you, all you do is see images of yourself and we're just, we're, we're clowns and we're, we're not fully realized human beings. And so I have the privilege in this country of being a cisgender woman, whereas the marginalization for you goes yet a, a, a level deeper. And there is there are a lot of problems in that, but I also think that there are a lot of good human beings out there who just don't know. And, and the more they know, the better they can serve the greater cause to, you know, further, you know, the, the respect for human, for all human beings that fall under all of the, the, the labels that we are creating and continue to create so that what people don't realize is that these labels are not being created out of sport. It is really with the, for the effort of making people feel seen and heard and included. And they're so that's so important. Um, that's so important to me that this has been the longest show that I've ever done because I just feel like it's so, you know, my uncle was gay. He was a, a Puerto Rican man murdered in a hate crime in 2003. He raised me. They took my father away from me. People think things like this are antiquated. Like, oh no, it's 2020. Trans people are everywhere. You know, no. it's like, no, we're No, this conversation has just begun. Yeah, this is just starting. This is this conversation is the beginning of it. This is, we're not everywhere in any capacity. When we start seeing doctors and we start seeing lawyers that are existing visibly, then we may start being everywhere. But this is this conversation is just the seed of it. That's why there's not many of us to call out uh, to Kai's point, but there's four of us here. There's five of us here. One, 
for and an ally. And that's a lot, I think, to start. So, do, I mean, we could only do the work so much. You got to meet us halfway and you got to like do your work too. And that comes really quick that Henry said though, that I, so I got to this place where I learned to hold people accountable and hold them at the same time. Yes. So it has to be this balance because again, yeah. we have to give ourselves more grace, afford ourselves more grace to POC than what we get out there. Yes. If we afford it to white supremacy, we quickly forgive when you know capitalistic structures and all of these folks and brands and Chick-fil-A and whomever else, all these folks do these things to us and we're just like, oh yeah, well, so why can't we do that if it means saving our own lives? Yes. So I would like everybody to know where they can find you and keep continue being connected to you because you're instrumental and important. And I want people to support your art. Um, Truth Serum um, gets shared a lot and we get a lot of viewership. Like by the end of the evening, a lot of people will have watched the show and I want them to take you with them. I want them to follow you. I want them to support your projects, your organizations and to invest in the communities the in, invest in the community because economic power is is what we need because through economics is how we really make a way for ourselves and trans people are marginalized in a way where they're really affected because they can't get jobs and they have to turn to sex work a lot of times they don't get the opportunities and hire a trans person today direct a trans teenager to housing um, you know, a lot of trans uh, women are exploited in, in human trafficking right now. Like we have to just be to speak about it. So tell people, every single one of you, what you're doing, how they can support you and how they can follow you. Go ahead, Kyle. I'll start with you. Uh, so uh, stand up is not really a thing <laughs> right now, but uh, I, I do uh, virtual shows are they happen occasionally and uh, I, I talk about uh, where you can find those on my social media uh, but you can find me on Twitter on uh, uh, on Facebook Instagram <laughs> too old to be on TikTok but I'm on TikTok um, <laughs> I also have a true crime comedy podcast called women who kill where uh, each episode I talk to a new guest about a murderer who happens to be a lady because there's just too many true crime podcasts about dudes killing people. So, uh, you know, I like to like to let everyone know that ladies can be terrible too. Um, uh, what else? Uh, yeah, you can find me on all the socials at Kai Choice, and uh, that's pretty much it. Okay, Sam. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, thank you for having this idea. First, I want to commend you because you have been such such a great uh, moderator and speaking up you know a, to a lot of injustice and and being our ally and not just an ally but an accomplice i really appreciate that um and thank you for introducing me to henry because to be honest the first time that i've met and known about henry and now i'm going to be wanting to know more about what you're doing and everything so it's really hard it's like i'm echoing what y'all are saying like kai and henry that sometimes it's really we're doing a lot of work already and just like we want black people to be represented in in all these panels talking but they're also working on the streets and doing all these things you can't always expect people to do the work all the time and i'm so grateful that you brought us all together um i would say on social media um i'm on instagram said on it's s-e-r-a-n-z-o-a-t-e-g-u-i um, and I'm on Twitter now. I'm, I just started a few days ago getting more involved with Twitter. And so I gave up doing Facebook 
and moving more into into those spaces. And I plan to explore TikTok. I want to really get into it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Henry. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at it's Henry Alberto with this here in my handle. I um I deleted Facebook cause Facebook because fuck Mark Zuckerberg or whatever his name is. Um, but I'm a writer director and um, this has been the luckiest year of my life. I was in the Little America room, so hopefully, if all goes as planned, I'll have an episode, my first episode of television on Apple TV next at some point next year. It's all dependent on COVID. I'm also directing my first feature film based on a book that I love and adore called Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe. I just adapted another book, which is the first middle grade book of its kind about a 12 year old trans girl called Grace Philly Grayson. So I highly recommend you check all that out. And then I'm working on an animated series with Ida. It's been a busy year. So I think I'll be very busy for the next coming year. So yeah, follow me on social. Thanks. Ashley. Um, so be sure to check out a documentary that we just wrote out that I'm cast member and executive producer of called Disarm Hate. It's on Amazon, Google, YouTube, uh, most streaming services. Um, also- you I say it again? I'm sorry? Say it again? What's the name of it? I, it your, the, the oh, connection. Oh. So the documentary is called Disarm Hate. Okay. Um, and it talks about a lot of these issues that uh, we've been talking about. Um, and then also uh, be sure to check out youareessential.org. Um, it is, um, we're, <laughs> we're funding grassroots organizations across the country who are on the front line serving vulnerable communities disproportionately impacted by the pandemic and the conditions that existed pre-pandemic. Um, also, you can find me on uh, Instagram, Ashley Marie Preston to these. Uh, on Twitter, I'm Ashley M. Preston, and on Facebook, I have my profile open because I'm always um, open for conversation. Well, I, I thank you for being here. I invite you to come back so we can continue to have these conversations. I think sometimes people will have a conversation one time and be like, that's it. I did my deed. Um, and I, I don't think so. I think like Henry said, this is just the beginning and we have to keep having these conversations. Yeah. We have to keep unlearning. We have to keep unpacking. We have to keep, um, you know, just keep. I can't, I can't. What? what was just posted in the comments. I can't fuck with it. Oh, so listen. There's like a Bible verse and it's intense. Sorry, Ida. No, I know. Um, it's gone. Um, so what I will say is this is I appreciate you, um, you know, commending me. I will say I don't I don't need to be commended for this. This is my duty as a human being. I feel like it is important for us to do that. We don't need to have get props for, you know, employing our reason to magnify the humanity of our fellow brothers and sisters. And as a as a host of a show that prides itself in diversity and inclusion. Who am I if I don't have all the voices on the show speaking for themselves? Because allies, you know, being an ally, as Van Lathan said, is moving out of the way and letting you speak for yourself. Mm. So I, I received that. I appreciate it. But at the end of the day, it's like giving somebody props for being a good father. You're supposed to do this if you're a human being. Right. So I, I urge my my viewers and my listeners, listen. Just be quiet and listen to other people the way you want to be heard and give people an opportunity 
to express themselves and their humanity as whole people. They're people. They are people. I have to say this in my rooms when I go into pitch, when I'm talking about people that are Latino, black, you know, trans. I just I always end up saying they're just people. They're just people. And it's so hard to get that across to people who don't who see us as shells. So anyway, I want to say thank you for coming here today. I want to invite you to come back, not to just have another uh, a performative panel on trans talk, but to come and just talk about everyday life shit from the perspective of trans humans, because you got to show up every day in life and every aspect of it. And it doesn't, it's not uh, exclusive to what you do in your bedroom or your mirror. So please come thank back. You. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate y'all. Henry, I'll see you in a little bit. See you in a little bit. And uh, thank you. I love you all. Love. That was the longest one I did.